It's definitely very cold outside. Like, um, the weather just did a 360. I feel like it was a little warm, and then it just got crazy. It just got. How was it? Like, is it is it colder in New York than it is here? Yeah, I feel so. Okay. I, New York is always colder. I guess it's because it's by the water. Probably. Yeah, yeah. And then we were in Long Island, so. I don't think I've ever been to Long Island before. Ever. In my life. I'm trying to think of when I've ever been, but I don't think I've been. You've been? I feel like it's a, a, a journey. It is a journey. It's a whole bunch of traffic. Yeah, I can only... What bridge do you take to go to Long Island? The what? Oh, okay. Well, welcome to the This Is Dirty Podcast. It's your host, Jernique. I am here on this lovely Monday morning <laughs> with Ariel. And um, you guys might not know her, so I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell her a little bit about you. I think I've known her since I was maybe five. Yeah, five or six? About five or six. Yes. So, Ariel, tell, please tell the people about yourself. Well, I'm Ariel. Um, me and Jernique, we go way back. Way back. <laughs> uh, we were in kindergarten together. You know, we had the missing teeth and all the bobos <laughs> and all that. Um, and yeah, our paths cross again, and here we are talking. Here we are. We we both grew up in East Orange, New Jersey, and we both attended Our Lady Help a Christian School in East Orange, New Jersey. And I feel like. I've talked about OLHC before. I talk about it all the time because most of the people I know or, like, the people, even the other people I know, I've met through OLHC people. Like, you know, like, the what, the 360 degrees of separation? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> so that's how I met Ariel. And, um, like, I guess I wanted to ask you first, like, what did OLHC do? do for you like well actually if i could just give ariel her flowers she recently spoke at um olhc's um grad commencement um she was the <laughs> keynote speaker um at their graduation so clap 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 for her um that was pretty dope um but what do you think olhc did for you like as an adult now do you think it had any impact on your youth and who you are today i would say yes um olac did especially the teachers that we had um i don't really think we have teachers like that anymore and that's only because of how the system is set up we had like foreign teachers so we had the yardstick the closets Man. the book in hands seriously um when you talk too much your parents was getting called and you was getting in trouble but kids don't have that and most importantly we had god um, in the school system. Every morning we had to pray. Every afternoon after recess, we had to come in, listen to the Holy Mary, our fathers. And that really made a uh, major impact. Yeah, I would definitely agree. We got beat. And if, especially, <laughs> like, I feel like the only kids who didn't get beat were, like, maybe kids who were, like, American who yeah. had weird parents. But my mother was giving everybody the green light. Like, <laughs> if she acts up, you could hit her. Um, Ms. Perkins made us stand up with our leg up or with books in our hand. It was wild. No, that wasn't abuse. This is what we they were allowed to do, but it taught us a lot about respect, and it didn't ever seem cruel to me. I just felt like, oh, they're mean, but I didn't think this is cruel punishment. 
Oh, yeah, and then we had times, too. If you was good all week, you got chocolate milk on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Those were gifts. We used to look look forward to first Fridays because we would be in church, like, for three hours. (laughs) We would be in church for, like, three hours, and we knew we didn't have to be in in class doing work. Um, yeah, so OLHC is cool. And, like, are you still close with a lot of people from OLHC? Some of my, um, most of my best friends are from OLHC. I have Flora. I have Shout Gifty. out to Florida. Flora, Florida. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Flora. Gifty. Shout out to Gifty. Everybody doing great things. Autumn, Andrea. Shout out to Autumn. Oh, Andrea? You yes. still speak to her? Where Andrea. does she live now? She lives in Boston. She oh. just graduated with her MBA. Oh, classy. Yeah. Andrea was always a little smart one. Yeah, she, she was, was. She was smart. Um, who else? I still talk to Anthony once in a while. Yeah, that's who my else? brother. That's my bro. Who else? I don't even know. Shout out to Anthony on his new engagement. Even though I think we already talked about his new <laughs> engagement the last time he was here. But um, yeah. So early she did a lot of stuff. For us, I was actually talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and I was just telling her how um, I don't feel like my private school was a private school. Mm-mm. Like I feel like it was ghetto. We were ratchet as hell. <laughs> like, we were bad. <laughs> we were. We were so bad. Um, I just don't think it was. It had structure though. It had structure, but it was still. We just weren't as bad as like. Public school. Public school, but we were still ghetto. I don't think it's anything like a uh, private school today. I think private school is a little bit more like confined than we were. We was out here wilding. <laughs> they was doing crazy stuff in the hallways and in the back of closets at OLC. <laughs> Not I though. <laughs> um. So and, and the I feel really bad, but shout out to OLC because they're um. They're struggling. They're struggling a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, um, their attendance is on a, not attendance, but what, their We numbers. had how many people in our class? I think we had like 70, maybe. And now the graduating class, the last graduating class was about 20. That's wild. That's people I can't, can't afford it imagine. anymore. You know what I think it is? I think that charter schools are taking over. But to me, in my opinion, I think charter school is a bunch of bullshit. Mm. Me personally, I feel like they have. <laughs> I feel like they have the kids going to school early, leaving late, and they're just dumb. And you mm. know what? That's just. I feel like kids are having kids, so they don't take that time and that responsibility to sit with their kids. Mm. Um, and it's not fair to the te- the teachers because now their job depends on if their students are passing or not, and then the passing. With them passing, their parents should be doing stuff with them at home. And is that always the case? I just, I have like a weird, I, I feel like there's pros to, and cons to charter schools. Um, Anthony's fiance actually works at a charter school. I know. And I'm, um, I'm best friends with one of her best friends. Really? Yeah. But from what I always see from her page, I'm so inspired by her school because it just looks like they facilitate an environment of fun and learning for those kids. I, I know a lot of other charter schools were overworked. Like Shirley's here. She worked at a charter school. Um, mm-hmm. I know they're very overworked and underpaid. I know that's across. They don't have protection, <laughs> no um, unions to protect them, et cetera, et cetera. But I also feel like there's a certain freedom 
that like we don't have in public schools where that's where charter schools flourish like because they could really kind of do what they want a little bit Really? What kind of curriculum? Like it's, it's bad. The way it's learning is just it's just general. It's just, like it's, it's not, not general, but it's more complex to, for them to understand. Most kids don't even know what's five plus five or five times five. And I, at that age, I think I knew when I was like probably in first grade. You you remember what's her name? Our um third grade Miss teacher, Miss Anad. So Miss Anad, you need to know your timetables because when she point on you, you better be able to answer. Mm-hmm. If not, you're gonna stand there until she feel like coming around to you again for you to sit down. There's actually to me, there's like a worldwide issue of um like a lack of performance in schools everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like this public charter. Our fifth graders don't know their multiplication either. Like, and you looking at it and you just like, what is going on? But, um, I dang, I don't even want to tell this business. But the the one of my coworkers at my school, who works in a profession which allows her to have other clients, um, so I'm trying to be specific. Um, she told us that one of her clients was from Montclair. He's in 12th grade. He's reading on a 7th grade level. And you would think like Montclair, oh, we're doing things different over there. It's the same thing across the board. Like, I don't know what's going on. But do you think is I don't think it's the school. I think it's the it's child. Is the parent and is the child. Right. I don't I, think I don't necessarily think it's a school, but you know, the, they use the school as a cover up. Right, basically. Right. I would say it's definitely the the parents today, they don't have no regard for their kids. Like, we send, first of all, in my district, we have a lot of foreigners who don't speak English, who don't know, they don't know how to read themselves. But, like, I be thinking about my mom, and my mom is not like, my mom don't have a college degree. My mom is a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. She's smart, but my mom still was able to help me. She was still able to, like, instill some type of responsibility in me. I send stuff home to these kids, they don't bring it back, and then they're like, they're like, my parent can't read it. And I'm just like, your parent gets a letter from your school, they can't read it, they don't call the school to find out. We have so many Hispanic people, we have so many people who speak Creole. You have resources. Ask somebody what the paper said. Some people are ashamed though, because that's the same thing in healthcare. So now is the issue with education. The patient came in for such and such. We're discharging you. Now, the issue is, are they able to read this information that you're giving them? So technically, in healthcare, when you discharge, the discharge instructions are supposed to be on the second and third grade level. But some people can't even read at the second or third grade Mm. level. So it's like, how do you ask someone to read if they can read without... Offending, offending them. them yeah that's true and can you tell the people what you do because you talked about discharge papers oh i'm a open heart icu nurse oh that sounds so fancy right it, it is fancy and it sounds and like a lot of money yeah <laughs> sounds like ariel needs to let me borrow some money hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> um like how do you like your job do you love what you do i mean i love being a nurse um Working in open heart ICU helped me to find my real passion for nursing, which is mental health. 
um, as of lately, like the past couple of months, we've been getting like 20, 30 year olds with heart condition. Uh, and that's because of overdose. So like drugs, drugs, yeah, drugs we have, you can look it up. Um, you have cardiac machines like ECMO and Pella. So basically they OD, they like pass out, heart stop beating, lungs stop working. And they hook them up to the machine to try to sustain life. But usually by that time, they're already brain dead. So like, what can you do? Oh, that sounds so bad. And these are 20 something, 20s, 30s. Oh, I'm yeah. Yo, I guess we need to get our stuff right. Why is more people taking drugs? I feel like people have always taken drugs, but now it's just maybe they don't know what they're taking. See, the issue is with the opioid epidemic, people are always taking drugs, but now the white people are ODing. So now it's a epidemic. Mm. It wasn't an epidemic when, when the black, black people, people were, ODing. were ODing. So that's the issue. Everything always comes back to race in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so, like, do you think that, like, let's transition because we're talking about mental health. Do you think, like, where we grew up um, or where someone grows up can have an effect on how mentally, you know, they they progress in life? Before you answer, I will just say that I, like, think about my kids in Irvington I finally said where I work. Yes, I work in Irvington. I've been trying to hide that for the longest, man. But <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so I just think about those kids and I just think about what they see every day, what they experience at home. Like, you know, they tell us all the time not to pay attention too much or not to be too hard on these kids sometimes because you don't know what they're experiencing at home. Some of their parents parents are facing deep deep deportation deportation yes i <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to say that but i can say it. some of their parents parents are facing deportation there's abuse at the house some of these parents don't some of these kids don't even live with their parents you asking my mom is in haiti my dad is still at home i live with my aunt. i live with yes yes mm-hmm. i remember her that that's crazy like when you sit and you think about the past, you're like, yo. There were people, kids like like the ones we see a lot now. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think? What do you think your environment contributes to like your I mental think health? It, your environment has a lot to do with your mental health. Um, I could talk about like my background. I'm not I'm not afraid to talk about my background. So then, I lived in a household. I had my grandmother. Um, I had two grandmothers, but initially I had my father's mother living with us. Mm-hmm. I had my my um <laughs> I had my mom, my brother, and my father, but my father was just physically there. So my grandmother always took over for my father. So when you say he was physically He was there, physically in the house, but he didn't do anything. He wasn't present. He wasn't present. Okay. So even if I spoke about my father, people are like, oh, your father lives with you? Like, yeah, he lives with me. But, you know, you young then, so you 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 like, oh, yeah, my father lives with me. But you never really paid it much mind. So my mom was always the one that disciplined us and do whatever. If we didn't want to get disciplined, we went to my grandmother's. And my mom was always the one that, no matter what, 
you got to get a good education. No matter what, you got to get a good education. So it's like now you're growing up, you like you feel like you're strong, you're independent. I got my education, I got this. But then on the flip side, I got daddy issues because mm. now I don't trust. Mm. Right. I have an issue with trust. So yes, your environment has a lot to do with um, your mental health. Yeah, yeah. But then now you have to kind of like unlearn and relearn again. That's the only thing that can get you through. This is true. This is true. And I always tell people like it's I don't know what's worse. Like on I listen to the Joe Budden podcast a lot, and they were actually making fun of women with uh, daddy issues. Like they were saying like they would rather date a woman who don't have a daddy. Um, and then like they made a joke and they were like, would you rather daddy issues or daddy issues? So like the dad not being there or the dad being there and like saying, you know, what's up? Like with my daughter. And it's like, it's nothing worse to me than like having a dad that's physically there, but not there. I think that that does the same exact it damage does. as not having a it father. Does. And like people be so hype. To like say that their parents is married uh-huh. and like their parents, is but they messed together. up. They messed up mentally too because a lot of my friends that had their fathers around, they like all they more twisted than me. For real, <laughs> for real. I feel like because they don't have time to like actually process what the presence but absence really means. Like some pe- the people who don't want to admit it, mm-hmm. you know. And those are the thirty year olds that oh I got to get married, I got to do it like my parents. Oh. My mom stayed in a relationship, even though my father was doing this, this, and that. Oh, if you married and you love each other, we gonna stay together. They more twisted, I feel like. And I always bring this up. But they like, no, you know, it's just because of what you went through. No, you more twisted than me. Like, I'm twisted, and I'm telling you more twisted than me. Right, right. So, you know? I don't know. Life is crazy. Life is very crazy. I definitely think our upbringings, like, affect us. I think... um, I feel like people look at East Orange, like, if we talk about cities, and they look at it like, oh, that's a hood. Like, you know, East Orange is the hood. And, and I tell people all the time, my mommy raised me in no hood. Right. <laughs> I, and I feel like East Orange is one of those okay. cities where you have very good streets. You have good good subsections. So, like, I never felt like I grew up in the hood. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I walk to the corner store, it might be the, <laughs> it might be the hood at the corner store, but my street was... Families, we okay. played outside, we rode bikes. I don't know if that can be done now. Yeah, I don't but... know, but I lived on a presidential side at East Orange. You know, it is. <laughs> I think so too. I lived like on the border of it's Orange, a, South Orange, a, everything. When you when you drive up to my part of the hood, it's presidential <laughs> side at East Orange. Um, but yeah, I I know I did see a difference like between uh, when I was in. East Orange and when I was in Piscataway. It was a different it was a difference with the neighborhoods. It was a difference with um the kids, what they expected of themselves, what they requested from the schools. Like the hood in the hood in Piscataway is like townhomes. <laughs> That's what they consider the hood. So if you live in a townhome if you live in a townhome in Piscataway, oh, that's the hood. <laughs> like, if your parents don't own a house. And these are townhomes that cost, like, $2,000 a month. They have an upstairs, downstairs, three bedrooms, basement. That's the hood. Like, um, and, like, in the hood in... in you, um, you had Mun. You remember Mun yes. and um, uh, Walnut? No, Walnut. South Walnut, yes. Like, 
that was the hood for us. Like I'm like this that's can't compare. Even, that's not even a hood no more because they built up that neighborhood. Like yeah, I haven't been over there in a minute. But. Now it's minutes away from the um train station, so you know everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they advertise everything now. Walking distance from the train station. And you better hope to not get robbed on your, on your walk to the train station. <laughs> um, so, um, you grew up Jamaican. I grew up Cameroonian. What, like, what Jamaican principles or crazy things do you think, um, like, I guess kind of stuck on you? Um, or you didn't like some things that you just didn't like. Like Ariel came here today, and the first thing she did when she got in my house was take off her shoes. What? Um, which is respectful, it's cool, um, but that's definitely a foreign thing, because everybody that comes here doesn't take off their shoes. That's because they knew they grew up better than that. Shirley won credit for they, taking off. They the grew shoes, up better than that, even though she's here all the time. <laughs> I was, you, you know what my mom used to tell me all the time when people were getting pregnant? She used to be like, mommy, mommy, baby, daddy, maybe. Remember that. And she told me I was going to take my drawers and make baby clothes if I got pregnant. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's stuff like that, and it still sticks. Like, I'm a grown woman. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> you got to be careful so you don't end up <laughs> making baby clothes out of drawers. But I mean, she she was she yeah she's foreign, but you know, you know when you used to get um in trouble when you was young or you wanted to do certain things, she used to be like, oh you you, you acting like one of these American kids. Mm, yes, <laughs> the word in Cameroon is an akata, but my dad told me not to say that anymore recently. He was like, that's a bad word, don't what say that. It? But that's what they used to call us. Like if you act like a ghetto American, <laughs> that's what they call you. Like she wants to be that. But he told me recently not to say it. I don't. I don't know what's his problem um, but whatever but what i find so funny is when you used to get in trouble when you was younger you got beaten you like i would never do that to my kids now i feel like my kids gonna get worse really yeah i don't know if i'm gonna beat my kids because i feel like i probably will but <laughs> i feel like everything is so like you just be seeing stuff and like people be really out here abusing their kids. Like what happened to us was not right. It was it won't fly. Like in 2019, your kids is calling the cops. Like the thing slippers we got hit with. You we go call, to school. Call Dyfus. Call that di they gonna beat you. Call Dyfus. But but like even if you just telling your friend a story in school the way that translates my principal the one that i work with now she does not play that and she is caucasian that's why so, she don't play that in Irvington. like i feel like if a little kid just talked about their parent beating them with like a hanger switch she's going to call dyfus on you and i think that's crazy but i feel like it also makes parents a little bit mindful of like not hitting kids out of anger, you don't think so? What is out of anger? Because my mom spoke to us. <laughs> you know they like when you think back, you know your, your parents told you not to do it because this will be the repercussion of, of doing it, and you did it, and you're gonna get popped. Right. Plain and simple. Right. My mom, she still looks at kids like you know that look, and then your eyes open wide. Mm -hmm. Some kids be like, "Why? What I do? You wouldn't dare right. say no shit right, like that." Right. 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 You better hush. You start crying before they even close their eyes back. Kids are super manipulative. And, like, now it's like they, they have so many 
They're exposed to so much, so many shows where parents act very fairy ish <laughs> So it's like when they experience something different from the TV and the cartoons that they see, they're like, oh, this is not right. I'm going to tell somebody. Even It don't matter where you're from. Black kids, foreign kids. That's true. They're questioning stuff just because they're exposed to so much. You know, we didn't have everything that, especially That's like true. in entertainment, like they have now. They got... you. They, Kids don't even watch cartoons. They watch other kids on YouTube with their family. Like, this is what five-year-olds find interesting. So Our first form of social media was The Loop. Remember The Loop? Oh, my God. The Loop was before MySpace. The Loop was... I had to put on... This this your girl, Ariel. Leave a message at the beach. I used to always make my voice like that because I didn't like my voice. (laughs) You know, you had to try and sound cute. (laughs) The loop was crazy. Oh my gosh. And we were probably gonna get killed if we did you ever meet somebody? No, before? hell no. Me neither. But like Someone did, I think. We... That's why they closed it down and got hurt or something mm. like that. And after the loop we had a uh, MySpace. Before MySpace it Black was Black Planet. Yeah, Black when I used to make my background <laughs> <laughs> the mir- the Mickey Mouse or whatever. Uh, oh my God. Yo, we've been through some stuff. I think Charlemagne posted today like if you were born in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, something, we were like the first generation to do this, last generation to do this. And we had dial-up. So when somebody called a house, it's like, no, no answer, don't answer, don't answer. Right. We yeah. had to connect the cord for the internet. Yeah. You couldn't do both. <laughs> you couldn't. You like, I'm going to be on the phone. I'm going to be on both. the internet. And we had AIM. We oh, did yeah. have AIM. So people was in like serious relationships on the AIM. Seriously. <laughs> we had the best of everything. We had Nintendo 64. We had the first PlayStation. We had Sega Dreamcast. We had everything. We were lit. Shout out to all of y'all born after us. Y'all don't got it like this. Um, But shout out to us. I'm I'm so happy I was born in 1989. Me too. Like, I'm ecstatic. Um, I think, like, we we really do have the best of both worlds. I mean, the newer kids, like my little sister and stuff, I feel like she was a little exposed to some to some stuff. Um, but um, for the most part, I mean, I, I didn't even finish my statement. I think she was exposed to a little bit of the stuff I was exposed to, but not at great lengths, you know? They they go to school. They have laptops right away. My, they had, we used to have to write our, our own homework. I, we used to write... Fingers ink at on your pinky, fingers cramp. They take home Chromebooks now at, in high school. We used to They're have to assigned. write on the chalkboard and all they see. They wrote the homework for the week and used to have to write it. Seriously, and we had computer lab once a week, if that. You wasn't. It was me, you, Flora. We were one of the first set of kids. You remember summer? She was the first computer teacher. I feel like that name rings um, a bell. Car- we did Carmen San Diego and the other one. Mm. Carmen San Diego, San Diego, San Diego sister. <laughs> Carmen San Diego rings a bell. Yeah, it was me, you, Flora, and like some other people. We were like the original when computers was just coming out with the black and green screen. We were oh, one of yes. the first ones. I remember to to our class. African computer teacher. I don't remember her name, but she wasn't there for long. I don't know if you remember. And she had a son that went to the school. I think I know you're talking about. Yeah, I I feel like she was Cameroonian. She knew my family some way, somehow. Our, our special ed was different, too. Yeah. We used to want to go to special ed. 
Yeah, they're special. Mm. Look, but now I be thinking about all them kids that used to get pulled out. <laughs> but I'm not going to say Our special ed was lit because they went into the little... Miss Tilly had her little room. <laughs> Everybody wanted to go to that little room. Yep. Um, and then they had a little truck. The little We didn't even know it was special no, ed. No, like, you didn't know we it was special ed. Like, I we don't just, know what we thought it was. But we wanted to be in there. Yep, show did. <laughs> show did. Um, what did we do? Like what did we we had um we were bad. Mm-hmm. Our seventh grade class, so mm-hmm. at all HC, the rule was that in seventh and eighth grade, uh, for kindergarten through sixth grade was co-ed. When you got to seventh and eighth grade, it became all boys, all girls. They did this because you going through puberty, things of that nature. They just wanted to keep us separate. And the, we didn't switch classes physically. The teacher switched. So you had a homeroom and then the teachers moved around. Our year was so bad that halfway into our seventh grade year, they had to make us co-ed. Like, we were too off the chain. I guess we were too, I don't know, lovey-dovey. I don't know what was going on, but we had to get switched to... We was doing some high school things. Bruh. You, I, ha- I have stories for days for you younger folks, you younger girls that were at OLHC doing the nasty <laughs> in the hallways and in the bathrooms. But I'm not going to expose y'all. But our grade, we were like, we thought we was grown. We thought we was grown. But we had a blast. Um... All right, so we're going to move on to something else. So Ariel told us that she's a nurse. Um, and I just wanted to find out from her, um, like, if she, if she thinks that, even though she's right here next to me, I don't know why I'm saying if she thinks. <laughs> I want to find out if you think that being a young black professional woman who makes good money um, makes it hard for you or make or ever made it hard for you in the past to find someone, a man, (laughs) 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 not friends. (laughs) Well, I can say like, I'm blessed in that area. Okay, I see you, I see you. My best friend and, but I think that just goes like for him, he's confident. Okay. So he's not the type of man that, you have men out here, especially black men. If they don't make more money, they feel some type of way. He don't care. Right. He like, that's what you want to do? Do it. I'm going to do my thing. So right. for me, that's not an issue. For other people, yeah. And like I said, I think that's just on the confidence level of the man. Do you mind talking about pre-him? How Maybe what your struggle might have been? Or if it wasn't a struggle at all? It wasn't. We all we always been best friends. Oh, so okay, we've okay. Been, we've been together okay um basically for half our lives okay all I right mean, it was like little hiccups along the way but we always remain best friends so. okay okay so um what about what you see out here in the playing field like maybe with your friends or maybe just people you know or maybe co-workers because like they might be in the same boat as you do you find that they're also blessed like you or do you think that they are struggling I would say they're struggling. That's mostly because of first mental. That's why mental health is such a big issue. So it's a mental health issue on both ends. It's their ends. They're not confident. Like I was telling you earlier, mm-hmm. I went to a talk. Um, my cousin, she has a um, organization called Pink Hustle. She said she put it on her vision board two years ago, and then she just decided to like, okay. It's called Pink Hustle. Pink Hustle. Okay. 
she just basically wanted a sisterhood. Okay. Which was good because the people that came is about 20 to 25 um, black, educated, beautiful women. I'm talking about if a man walked in that um, storefront that night, it would have been like a candy shop for him. Mm. But what struck me was um, the lack of confidence within them. The women. The women. And they were all black professionals. Black professionals. You had a lot of doctorates, a lot of masters, and people working on either their doctorate or masters. And the question I asked was, how many people in here can say you're confident and that you trust yourself? Mm. Only one person raised their hand. And she said, it's taking some practice. Mm. This is something that she started maybe like last year and she's still working on it. That goes to say, ask another question. What is mental, what is self-care to you? Because you know people are playing on self-care, self-care. They're trying to make money off of it. Oh, go get your nails done, go right. to the gym, go to the spa. But like, we all came together collectively to say, self-care is looking yourself in the mirror and telling yourself the truth. Mm. And then start working on yourself from there. Right. So this is the issue that I see within my friends. They lack confidence and they feel like they need a counterpart in order to build that confidence. Mm -hmm. And most times that counterpart isn't what's right for them. Or it, it helps to reduce the confidence even more. Exactly. Okay. So I think that's the biggest issue. I I love what you said. And I I think I 80% agree. Um, so why you don't 100% agree? The 20% <laughs> in me, the 20% in me um, is bothered by this idea like we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. that women attract who they are because trust and believe <laughs> that in my past and maybe even in my present <laughs> um, that I have, I have devoted time and energy and I would even say love to people who I don't want, I don't think anybody is never deserving of, well, yes, some people are not deserving of your love. Nobody I've ever dealt with is not deserving of my love, but they weren't up to par in many areas. Um, and this could be m many ways, like whether it be emotional, whether it be um, just like respect mm -hmm. or um, just regard for the, for me. And I just, I don't feel like, I feel like I have a weak spot in my like. I feel sorry for them. Yes, I feel like that's my issue. But and I do. I'm not trying to say like my confidence level is at a hundred percent. But I don't think my The reason I'm attracted to them is because my confidence is like at a fifty percent, and I'm attracted to something in them that mirrors me. I think I'm just stupid. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I'm just trying to. But you know what? I think that's the issue that a lot of us have. Is like, oh, you know, it's like we're not putting ourselves first. Right. That's the problem, I think. So it's just like, oh, okay, no, no, you gotta put yourself first. So when you put yourself first, you start to love yourself. Then you start to say, okay, I'm worth it. Right. So your your confidence and your your self love begins to increase. So you're gonna be like, yo. 
when stuff like that come your way, you're going to be like, fuck that. Like, I don't need that. Right, right. I think that's what it is. That's, boom. You touched me just now when you said that. <laughs> when you said you don't put yourself first. I think that a lot of times we put our needs, our like our physical, fit, needs. Our physical needs, or even like our... Like what we tell ourselves are our mental needs. We put those in front of ourselves and like what we really desire for each other. Because to me, I can't even front. Sometimes those needs, although they're very temporary, they can be very overbearing. And it could be for whatever reason. Like it don't always have to even be physical. It could just be like interaction. You know, like if you are lacking interaction with um uh, another person who you want to have interaction with, you'll just like devote time to a person that don't deserve it. Um, and yeah, I guess yeah, you're right. I was talking to Andrea the other night because she 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 went through something, um, and she said now she found she had to like take it back because she got really sick. What she was dealing with, she got really sick, like relationship wise, mm-hmm. and. She said that she ended up with an illness and then she had to find God. Finding God, she found herself. So now she's entered a new relationship. Shout out to Andrea. Shout out to Andrea, girl. And it's no physical. Because mm. now they both know God. So okay. it's like when you get physical when you bring the physical into the mix it could blind you and i think that's oh what absolutely happened. because like let's be honest let's be honest <clears throat> a lot of these men that these black young professionals deal with and you hear their stories what they talk about they are they bomb in bed so mm. now they're not doing nothing with their life and they're gonna this is their area of expertise and some some women unfortunately get blinded by this get right. blinded numb and everything now you got all these problems i hear stories oh i pay for him to do this and i pay for him to do that i mean i'm i mean if you're in a relationship i don't see anything wrong with you paying for stuff for each other but like what is he doing right what is he doing Versus what you doing. You bringing in the bread. You doing what you got to do. And he's not doing anything but what? The physical? Right. He. That's what he's paying you. He's, <laughs> he's depositing dick. <laughs> and, and, with, and withdrawing everything you Emotion. have. Right. Right. That's super, um, that's super sad. It is. Um, but a lot of chicks be D-I-C-K tematized. That's um, stupid. That's that's um, it's hard. Um, but you know what? They 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 confuse sex with love. A lot of people, right? So, right. Um, that's a that's a slippery slope. <laughs> I also think that some people become super numb to like maybe after being disappointed multiple times, they just become numb to wanting something different, and they tell themselves like, "I don't feel." So I'm going to do what I want to do until something else happens. But right now, there's I don't feel anything. But something else can't happen because now you're in a relationship with somebody that's just pulling from you. So how are you going to get time for yourself? So no, something else cannot happen. No, it's true. Everything has every reaction has a reaction, mm-hmm. whether we whether we think so or not. Um, you know, everything kind of has an effect. 
it's like a 360 um all the time um it's a sad reality though because i just feel like i feel like men and women interaction in 2019 going on to 2020 is just a struggle like i feel like everybody's afraid to talk to each other everybody's afraid to love everybody dealing with some mental health stuff um people are because i i to me i feel like it's good that we're talking about this because we can laugh and joke about our upbringings but 2019 and maybe a few years beyond i think is the first time that we as people, whether we be men or women, have ever thought to look at ourselves. That's like, true. you know, in a different way. I feel like we just, we ignored so many of these things for so long. It's like, you know what? I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to meet somebody. We're supposed to have kids. And that's how life is supposed to be. But I feel like today, even men, they're like, yo, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> like, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But I don't really feel like I could give myself to a chick. It, Chicks is doing this. It's like we're looking at ourselves, but... And then now it's like with the whole LGBT community thing, a lot of people are just like, yo, I don't even know if I'm straight. Right, right. <laughs> no, you you're know? right. We questioning everything from like all angles. I just feel like we're, we have a mirror view, but it's, I don't know if we have entered the healing process or if we've just hint, entered the look at me, I know my symptoms, I know what I am, I can tell you what's wrong with me, I can tell you why I can't do this, but I I don't know if I'm necessarily gonna fix anything. So that's pretty interesting, that's why I wanted to go, that's why I am going into mental health because another issue is, okay, go talk to a therapist, that's cool, it's good to talk to somebody that's not your family, not your friends, but the issue is, especially in our community, is not enough black um, therapists. Mm. That's the issue. So now you go into the therapist, they're like, oh, you're depressed. Everybody's on Lexapro. Everybody's on Lexapro. Right. And it's okay to feel that way, especially if you feel lost. Why are you suppressing it with medication? Right. A lot of black therapists, well, the black therapists that are out there, they don't prescribe with medications like that. Mm. They do more of a therapy style type of thing. But if you go to the white, you go to the Indian. I'm not saying that they're all bad, but, they but like they'll they'll medicine. give you medication. Mm. They'll give you medication, and I think that's another issue. And then you got people hooked. Now they right. can't get this. They can't get that. They start taking coke, and then the cycle continues. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, but like, so if I know medicine is helpful to people with extreme cases, like people who really need mood elevators, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but like. Does talking, do you think talking to somebody is enough? What are some ways that we can heal from trauma that we are affected by? Because I would assume that for a person that has those type of issues, even talking to a person openly and honestly might become redundant. It's like, I feel like it's like any addiction. You can't help an alcoholic. You can't help someone that's on drugs unless they want it. You have to want it for yourself first. Like I said, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth first mm -hmm. before you can even go seek help. That's the only way it's going to work. As far as medication goes, you have some people, yeah, they do have some imbalances, but they usually check that out with like blood work and stuff like that. So, 
So you think that it's just it has to be a personal thing. It has to be a personal thing. It has to be. You a can't force thing. a crackhead to go to rehab. They right. gonna they gonna relapse. You can't force a alcoholic to go to um their little what you call it the triple A meetings. Yeah, AA. Yeah. <laughs> triple, a, triple A. You can't unless they want to do it. So I think it's like a, a personal thing. I just feel like like it makes me sad because I feel like then my response would be that's that got to be something supernatural. That got to be God. But a lot of people don't necessarily believe in God. A lot of people, a lot of people mistaken religion for God. Right. I feel like because you have some people that's mentally ill and they find a religion, it's over. Like it's like the religion make them even more crazy. Worse. Me right. personally, I grew up Pentecostal. I like noise. I can go to a Baptist church. I go to the African church as long as like drums and stuff. But I don't believe in religion. I feel like religion is man made. I believe more in spirituality. I haven't gone to church in a long time, although I would love to go to church. But you could talk to God from anywhere. Right. So it's like, you know? Yeah. I I just I feel like like something supernatural has to happen to that person in order because I I don't know what what provides somebody with the motivation they need to step out of their sunken place or step out from their lowest place. If therapy can't help, if medicine just becomes an addiction again, like this conversation is very near and dear to my heart because I have friends and now I have family who like um, struggle with mental health like issues. Um, I think we all have a little bit of mental health oh, issues. Of course, all of us. Um, but theirs is like th- that intenseness where they it like literally alters everything. Like they literally can't function, you know, sometimes. Um, and it really, really, really knocked close to home recently. Especially so. with a lot of these foreign mothers. I, I'm, I'm starting to realize a lot of these foreign mothers, even with people you grew up with mothers, I call it, especially black um, black women, I call it the superwoman syndrome. Mm. So it's like, I okay, like I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to keep it together because society going to say this, I got to keep it together for my kids. And then when the kids grow up, they like snap. Because they was keeping it in for all those years. It's not like, but is that really mental Ill- illness for you to treat your medication? Or is that mental illness for you to get to the root, the root of the problem and try to fix that and help them right. heal? And unlearn some things you thought exactly. were acceptable, just like you said earlier. Yep. We got a lot of work to do. The human race. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> Tell them that it's human nature. Why? Why? Do you do me that way? It's deep. It, it mental mental health is deep, and that's why America is trying to make money off of it. Oh yes, like Instagram telling us they're hiding our likes for mental health. What? Yes, that's why we talked about that on the last episode. But that is why Instagram claims to be hiding our likes from people for mental health. But they doing it for money. I mean, they gonna roll it out with the mental health, but they're doing it for money. Yo, social media is, is the real. Devil. It is so like real as far as mental health because people, like you don't see no one looks natural anymore. I mean, when you're going out, yeah, you want your lashes done, you want your makeup done, yeah. But people look like that on a daily 
basic. Mm-hmm. You don't even know how people look anymore because of makeup, especially females. Men, they, they don't really care. You people be having their Jordans on, they be driving their Benz, and you go to their house, their house be looking like shacks. <laughs> Like this, this is this real. Oh my it's god! Real. I think mental. I think um, I think <laughs> social media is the the biggest cause of most of our problems. Like I think that it is so detrimental. I love social media though, but it's I good. I think it that it's it's very detrimental to your human race. And I find that people with so me and Shirley, we follow this girl. And I follow several people, but this one girl, she's she like treats IG like a diary. You know them kind of people oh, yeah. who like they like they seek attention. Yes, attention and it's like seeking. they they're writing paragraphs every day, and they're telling us what they did in the morning, where they went, what they did in the evening before bed. Um, it's everything, and she talks openly and candidly, and I ooh. You, I, I, I don't want to be it's entertaining but she talks about her issues with mental health a lot and in my mind I'm just like no 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 um, she talks about her issue with mental health and it it bothers bothers it bothers it bothers it bothers me because I feel like um I just don't, I'm not one of those people. I think social media, people who, who have intense issues with mental health, I think that they should know that social media is not going to cure so, them. So let me ask you a question with that. So like me, if you look at my messages, it's a couple of people that I speak to every so often. Because when they post something, I'm like, are you good? Mm-hmm. Because this is like... And they be good. They just be wanting attention. I'm like, because this look a little suicidal. It's about right. three people in my inbox. Like, every so often, they'll post something. I'm like, yo, you good? I just can't take this no more. And I'm like... You- I want to be sensitive to that because sometimes people post that and they really mean it. But part of me also feels like, dang, if you feel that, I don't want your first... I feel like you need to unlearn... That your first outlet should be Instagram. Like, why don't you pick up the phone and call a friend? Why don't you talk, like, have a real conversation with somebody instead of posting it on Instagram and getting 50 DMs from some people who really don't give two shits about you? They're really just responding to you because of something that triggered them or alarmed them. But they don't necessarily call your friend. Go do something. But with, that, the problem is that people don't even have real friends. But so they fake friends is gonna. <laughs> the fake friends are gonna help. Hopefully, the real ones pick up and DM them. I don't know. I don't know. People think. The, the I don't want to. I also don't want to tell anybody how to manage their mental health issues. Right. I'm not here to do that, and I'm not here to disrespect anybody. I just. I feel like we find. We find you know, healing within people, within conversations. I don't think social media is the best place Mm-mm. to find the, the... I think it helps. Sometimes you say something and other people are going through the same thing, so it helps. But I don't think it should be your sole source of energy, your sole source of expression every day. No. 
No, sir. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think it's worse. You know, I think it's worse because you learn to like depend on it just like alcohol, just like That's what it is. It's, addiction. it's an addiction. And it's like you rush for that feeling, you know, the feeling of fake, fake love, fake love. I mean, I care about y'all. I love everybody that I follow and that follows me, but I know what it is. You know what I'm saying? You know who you could call, who you can't call. You know, you know, you know certain things. I don't know. So, um, last year, actually, Alex, he, um, he pushed me to register a business called Live With Privilege. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it yet, but this year, like this, the hype of like uh, mental health—that's what I'm gonna do with it. Live with privilege. I like so, that name. Um, he actually came up with it. Mm. So, can you the... tell me the meaning behind the "live with privilege" name? Live with privilege is something that he came up with. It, it, it's just something that he came up with. Um, it just—he's good with stuff like that. Okay. Um, but then, like I said, it brought more of a meaning when the whole mental health issue came up, especially in a black community. Mm. We hear about this white privilege. Right. So why can't black people live with privilege? Right. And a lot of the reasons why they don't feel like they can live with privilege is because of what they went through. A lot of people, that trauma and everything. So what I want to do is show them that they could get through that. They could grow through that. Okay. Just because you're in a, this current situation, that won't be your final destination. Right. So I want to get like professionals. I got y'all, y'all teachers. I know doctors. I know lawyers. I know everybody, and try to, you know, bring everybody together to show these kids, especially like you. Just because you started here doesn't mean that you're gonna have to finish here. You could like, the sky's is the limit. Mm, shout out to live with privilege. So that sounds really dope. I think the answer to all of our problems is togetherness. Mm-hmm. I think that we could solve issues one conversation at a time one event at a time, one gathering at a time. Like, if we just get to know each other again, like, for real, not on the computer, not... It, I think that's healthy for us, you know? Like, because as as connected as we are, the more separate we really are becoming. Like, it's weird. It makes a lot of sense because um, the talk that I did, one thing that everyone, like, left out with is, like, okay... I'm glad I'm not the only one feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And especially in the work in, 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 the, in our careers, you see another black woman. Sometimes it could be togetherness and sometimes it could be separate. And that's because there's a lack of confidence. So I got to be better than her. Right. Instead of, all right, sis, let's join hands and do what we got to do. Right. And knock this out is a competition, but it shouldn't be like that. Right. You should look in the mirror and see your only contender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Rick Ross said that. Um, she. Um, so Ariel, do you have anything you want to add to this conversation? Anything you, any closing words you want to give the people? Any last words you want to talk about? We are fifty-four minutes in. That was a good talk. It was. Just take care of your mental health. I mean, I'm out here. I'm trying to preach the whole mental health thing, but I'm still working on my mental health. It's like an ongoing process. Showies. Um, so just work on your mental health. Yeah, yeah, guys. Work on your mental health. Please work with your kids at home on their homework. And if they get letters home from their teachers and you need 
assistance, understanding, call the school. We're here for you. We have resources set up. We know our population. So that's my rant to close us out. Like, please read your kids. And do homework with your kids, y'all. Don't do but, homework like, the, for you your know what? kids. You know what? I've looked at some of these homework. I can't even do it. It's <laughs> not. I don't. I, I can. For me, I will say that. I don't give out hard homework. And y'all got to be kidding me. My it only issue is y'all kids not copying the notes in class because to me that's my issue. The, a teacher is never gonna give homework on something that was not already discussed and practiced in class. I remember Miss Luther used to go through your notebook and then do a little check. Check. She did a little check. A little right. like, oh no no no, erase this, write this over, do it again, and then okay, and checked it all. Because the homework is really to to. Reinforce what you reinforce learn. Reinforce what you learn and let the teacher know that you can do it on your own. So we're not giving homework where the kids shouldn't know. But these kids will go home after spending all period long not writing one note. After spending all class long running their mouth. Then you get home and you looking at work and you telling your mom, I don't know what this is. You weren't paying attention, my guy. But you know what? ADD is real, though. It ADHD. Is. ADHD is real. It is. I realize that I have I ADHD. Like all of us do have that. But you got popped. That's the thing. Right, right. So you, you did what you did. You did what you did. You know, we have people in the class playing with pencils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or chewing pencils. <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about those. <laughs> um, so, thank I know some of their names, but I'm not going to mention them. Um, it was all the boys, though. It sure was. Sure was. <laughs> I still see some walking the streets. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Thank you guys for listening. Shout out to all the people. I didn't shout out to the people that were on their way to work, at work, just waking up, doing whatever it is they doing. Shout out to you wherever you are. Happy Monday. Thank you absolutely positively for listening to the This Is 30 podcast. And I will see you next week. Thank you very much to Ariel for coming Bye. through and talking. Bye.